Welcome to the Masters in Travel podcast. I'm Whitney, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets and The Hive. And I'm Brianna, owner of Milk and Honey Travels. Welcome to our new series, Shop Talk, where we chat about what's going on in our businesses right now, what's exciting and what's challenging. When something exciting happens, we want to ensure that we are taking a moment to recognize and celebrate our successes. When things are challenging, talking through them to gather each other's perspective is often so insightful. And if you're going through any of these challenges at the moment as well, we hope that by sharing openly, you know you're not alone and that as business owners, we're all navigating this crazy journey together. So Brianna, it's the beginning of November. Crazy. How have things been going over the last month or so? Anything super exciting going on in your end? I mean, well, I guess I would say the most exciting thing for me this past month is I just got back from Turks and Caicos, which... I was there when we announced that I was now like co-leading Masters in Travel with you. And so I was, you know, checking in from turquoise waters behind me, looking all mm-hmm. fabulous, making everybody jealous, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so that was fun just because Turks and Caicos for me was a new country. It was my 45th country. So I'm sure all of us like to keep count and see how our, our number of passport stamps has added up. So I don't do much Caribbean because I live on the West Coast. And I'd never been to Turks and Caicos before. So that was really great. And then being able to experience, you know, the the private island experience that I had was also really fun. So I would say that was my biggest high. The tr- I mean, on Instagram, it looked fabulous. So if that was all <laughs> real and not just for the gram, it really did look like an amazing trip. How did this fam come about for you? Were You don't go to the Caribbean a lot. So was it something that you were like, okay, I need to go check this out. And so you started looking for this opportunity or did it just come your way and you decided now is the time to see the Caribbean? How did this come about for you? I mean, I think that's a really good, like a lot of different things we can say about fam trips, why to choose them, how to choose them, all of that. But I will say just kind of sharing my personal experience where I'm at in business right now. I rarely like go looking for fam trips. Number one, because I'm busy. I have very limited like time to be out of office on somebody else's schedule. And I'm just a lot more picky at this time, at this point in my career on what fam trips I attend. In addition, it, to kind of even gives a little bit more of like, I don't know, background, why I would even say yes to a destination. If I'm being honest, I don't really sell a lot. Like I sell mm-hmm. the Caribbean when people ask for the Caribbean. I It's yes. not something I'm pushing. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. I don't even do like, like I would say, there's not even a big percentage of my business that is that type of travel. More so, I would say, when I'm doing like a repeat client, like, you know, they just want to go mm-hmm. away for a little getaway. Mm-hmm. But so, a couple of things that I was really interested in why I did say yes for this particular one. So, I guess first to your question was invitation by a rep company. So, mm-hmm. the place that I went, they're repped by a company named Wanderlux. And so part of it is, was just like, you know, I appreciated the invite. I mean, obviously it was three people, three other advisors. Oh, really small. Yeah. Yeah. They did two of them back to back. So it was like four and four. Gotcha. Right. Back to back. But so that's, that's more of like a personal invite, right? Like they're not just like throwing it out there and seeing who says yes. Um, So kind of like supporting what they're doing was, was one reason to say yes. And then the other reason was quite honestly, just because I don't do the Caribbean a lot. I wanted to get a feel like, what's the draw here? Like, Mm -hmm. why would somebody from the West Coast specifically bypass going to Hawaii, bypass even going to like Fiji or Bora Bora or something like that? That's closer, quite honestly. And fly, you know, do a, I did a red eye to the East Coast and then over there. So just like, 
all the hours. And then like, what's the draw? Like, why do people love this type of experience? I felt like that was a good information gathering for me. And then this particular property that we visited was a private island experience. So I did a post or no, excuse me, a pre-night just like in Turks and Caicos at Grace Bay Club on my own to get that mm-hmm. type of experience. And then yep. going to the private island was like, okay, now what is different about this experience? Because I think that's yeah. unique for the Caribbean in general and Turks and Caicos in particular to say like, okay, great. Like they have villas, it's all inclusive. Like there's a lot of different like unique selling points about it. So I felt like having that knowledge could be good. So I said, yes, happy. I said, yes. Although I did say yes to something else that I'm leaving for tomorrow, which I normally (laughs) wouldn't do (laughs) like that. That's going to be a little challenging for me, but overall, I think it was insightful on my end as an advisor give me some insight. And I, you know, I got to go to Turks and Caicos, so I'm not going to be mad about that. Cool. Good. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, I'm also not a big Caribbean person. So I think next year I'm planning a trip to just be like, what is this all about? <laughs> Cause I'm the same. Quite honestly, I'm not going to say that like, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, a, a soul. Yeah. While it is beautiful. Why? And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people listening that they're like, are you kidding me? Like there's, but for me, like from a value perspective I was like <laughs> like I remember I went to dinner on my first night in Tricks and Cake because I was at the Grace Bay Club and I got like one sushi roll and one cocktail and it was like $60 and I'm just like I'm still hungry but I'm done eating because this is ridiculous <laughs> like, are oh you- my god well one- but would that be different would that be different in Hawaii though it's a little better, but yeah, to the, to that, to that point, I also think Hawaii is a ridiculous, I don't think yeah. it's value at all. I'm just like, I'm always annoyed when I'm like paying $82 yeah. for my breakfast. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, no, I think that's the nature of just sun and sand vacation resort places yeah. in general, but I haven't been to any of these places personally. I haven't been to Hawaii or the Caribbean. Oh geez. Yeah. You really stay away. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been to a lot of, you know, I've been to North Korea. So does, you know, I go to other like crazy yeah, places. Very comparable. I've been to North Korea and Mongolia while everybody else is going to Hawaii and Turks and Caicos. Hey, you have your niche. You have your niche. Uh, well, that is really exciting. I'm glad that that trip went well. It looked amazing. It did. Um, and and yeah. you know what always else makes a good fam trip is honestly always going to be partly because of the other people who are there. And you know, that's always a gamble, which is another reason I don't like to gamble that often. Having to spend like, because fam trips are not your schedule, right? So like you're doing all of these things with other people. And when you have to spend day in, day out with people that are maybe not like you're, you don't vibe, you don't really click. It's kind of awkward. And we've, if you've been on enough fam trips, you have run into this for sure. That can be very difficult. So mm-hmm. thankfully the couple of ladies, and there was only a couple of ladies. And also we were staying in the same private villa. So like we had our own room, we still were in the same, like if that would have been gone South, I would have been like, get me out of here. Like yeah. I'll, I'll swim yeah. back. I'm fine. Um, Literally I, get me off this Island. <laughs> thankfully um, that part was really great. The food, the everything about the island was a really, really wonderful experience. And so for that, it was definitely a positive because I can tell you about some fam trips in my past, as I'm sure we all can, that were like, yeah, that would, that should have been a no on my, on my end, but it was a yes. And yeah. no, I'm paying for it. Thank dearly. That should have been a no. That's yeah. such a good, such a good way to put it. That should have been a no. Hindsight being 2020. So yeah, I think that for the last month, that would be my kind of like exciting news. 
what's been up with you? Anything challenging that you've kind of been facing or going through or working through? Well, not to be like a, a Debbie Downer here, but let's maybe talk about something challenging. Because I think we've both had challenges over the last month. And it's been really interesting for me to hear about yours. And I don't know if you ever face mine, but I have found in the last month that I have, I'm working with multiple DMCs. They are all in Europe, but I don't know if that matters that I've worked with before. So they're not new to me. So I And I say that as a caveat, because I feel like when I work with new to me DMCs, I'm just ready for everything to blow up because they always do things a little bit differently than what you're expecting. And and that's a hard thing to navigate, but I'm working with DMCs that I work with frequently and that I know really well. And I have had to rip apart more than 50% of the itineraries that are coming back because pricing isn't making sense. And I know these destinations inside and out. I know these DMCs inside and out. And so the fact that I have to do this is very, very unexpected and unusual because normally these are DMCs that I'm working with that I know exactly what to expect. It comes in, it is as expected, we confirm and we move forward. And that is the dream of finding DMCs that you really love working with. And what I've been finding is that when I'm ripping things apart, I'm, I'm finding that the hotel rates are being quoted bar rates with breakfast or whatever, but the total cost of the trip is being presented to me as net. Right. Which so by the time you have to add on a commission then, and like then I'm adding commission on top of a retail market. rate. Yeah. Which is inflating the total cost of the trip and is making the client pay even more for these already expensive hotels than they should be. In my for me, that's not okay. Yeah. Not okay. There's there's so many thoughts about this whole conversation and and maybe we like say like let's go deep in this because I feel like there's a lot of people who especially those of us who do the FITs and work with DMCs and and come up against this and this is actually going to get into why I've had some challenging moments in this month too but I'm curious to know like are you is this something you do like proactively in terms of like you get the proposal from the DMC and before you even pass it on to the client you're like this just doesn't add or was it more so like the client's like okay, this pricing is not really making sense. And then at that point you were like, okay, let me dig into it a little deeper. And then once you start digging, you're like, mm, this is- I stopped it. Okay. It never got to the client. Okay. That's I stopped it. By the way. Yeah. One. <laughs> so uh, now that's me years in planning destinations that I know really, really well. In the past, there were definitely moments that I let it go through to the client. The client asked questions that I had to backtrack. And I probably, I lost a lot of those sales because of that. Um, And so I, it's very time consuming, but I generally have an idea of the hotel's cost that we have asked to be included in the itinerary. I generally know what a full day privately guided wine tour in Tuscany costs. I know what a privately guided walking tour in Rome costs. Like I just know, like I know what a private boat on the Amalfi Coast costs. So I just know these general prices. And so I've uh, I almost like <laughs> turned it into a little game to see how close I can get of like predicting the cost of the proposal. But the value in thinking about, well, it should come in around 18,000, for example, it should come in around this is that then when the proposal comes back at 22 net, right. And it doesn't have my commission yet. My red flag is already going off because I had already in my mind what I thought it should be. Gotcha. And so that's why I'm like, well, wait a second, was I off or where is all this money going? And so then I start 
actively like one by one quoting the hotels, the exact dates, the exact room categories as has been presented in the proposal. I pull that out and I see what's left over just for tours and experiences. And I'm like, this doesn't add up. And my commission's not even here yet. And the hotels make sense bar, but bar rates are commissionable. So why are you giving me bar rates and telling me that this proposal is being presented net? So some of this has happened with DMCs that don't provide breakdowns. And so I'm just guessing, but I'm right. Because when I reach out to them and I say all of this, they come back and they say, we don't have contracted rates with those hotels. So if you want competitive rates that also pay commission, like you'd be better to book directly. And it's just like, I just spent an hour and a half of my time asking questions and ripping apart this proposal to figure out where all of this is going. When you knew that all along, yeah. why, why wouldn't you be more forthcoming with that information? Because if you just said straight up front, Hey, just so you know, we don't have contracted rates. I would have said, pull them out. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would have saved myself two hours. So much time. Do you, is this also because are you in the inquiries for a proposal? Are you asking for specific hotels and then therefore not giving them the chance to like plug in the hotels that they have contracted rates with? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Because so what I do is recently I've had a lot of trips that are in destinations and cities that have an overabundance of stunning hotels that I know and that I have visited. So we're talking Lisbon, Porto, Barcelona, Rome, Tuscany, Venice, you know, Amalfi, all these places that I, that there are just so many hotels that like, these aren't destinations that I'm just letting a DMC randomly decide where they want someone to stay. I'm generally presenting two options per city or per region to the client and, and sharing with the client, this is why I've selected this hotel for you. It's price, it's location, but it's also experience. And based on what I know you're looking for, this is where I think that that's going to tick that box. And I'm being really, really intentional about the hotels that I'm presenting so that when I get to the DMC, I know the destination and I know the DMC so well that I'm essentially giving them everything. I say, here are the dates, here are the tours and the activities, here are the hotels. I literally just need you to pull it together. Right, right. And then this is happening. Yeah, yeah. And I'm super frustrating. So frustrated. So this has happened a couple of times, DMCs who don't provide breakdowns. And so I'm having to figure it out by myself. And then they're saying, yeah, you're right. And then it's happened recently with a DMC that does provide breakdowns. And so you would think that You wouldn't need to check prices so much, but I did happen to check one because availability was changing so quickly that every time I checked it, it was like something different and like room categories were, it was like a nightmare. And so I checked it and I went back to their proposal and I was like, this is 900 euros difference. Of the, for the hotel rate. For the hotel rate. And I was like, Hey, what's going on here? And they're like, Oh yeah, we don't have a contracted rate with them. So if you want that commissionable, you should book that direct. Right. What? So I just, I'm so frustrated. Yeah. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated with, it feels shady. And I'm frustrated, like probably my biggest pet peeve in life is time wasted. And so I have no problem booking hotels directly. I have no problem if DMCs have some contracted rates and not others. None of that is a, is a concern for me. It's the lack of upfront communication that leads to time wasted. Right. Right. It's so I wonder even if like the fix 
is that just becomes part of like your email to the DMC on the front end. Like these, I already know that these are the hotels I want. You let me know that you can include them at contracted rates or else please just book tourist transfers, experiences, and let's all be a happier couple. You're you're right that, that, that should and will now become just an upfront question for, for DMCs. And I, the, there are plenty of situations where I'm sending clients to areas that I don't know. Right. And so they're plugging in hotels for me that I'm like, oh, thank goodness, this looks fabulous. I've never heard of it. You know, like what would I do without the DMC? So there are, there are still those situations where I always leave the hotel that the DMC suggests. It's just in recent situations that I knew exactly what I wanted and yeah. they weren't forthcoming where they weren't forthcoming about not having this contracted rate. So thank you, Brianna. I'll be adding that sentence into the top of my email template. Just let me know now, please. Seriously, seriously. And I think that, so I, I run into, I think a, a lot of us have probably run into that challenge with DMCs. There's just so much nuance in the way that DMCs operate and like when they have contracted rates or when they do price breakdowns or what their markup is just in terms of like, yes, we're all business people trying to run a business and trying to be profitable. So like, how do we all operate without like screwing over the end client (laughs) and they're ending up paying however much percentage, like, yes, they're getting something of of value for like the services in country. And that's going to be, that's going to be shown somewhere. Like it just is. But It's just hard. And then also because there's so many DMCs who like require basically like it's a package, right? Like it's not as as beneficial for them to just do tours and transfers, understandably, because it's not different. So some don't care. And some, some don't book hotels at all. Some don't care. And then others won't, won't do anything unless it's a full package. Right. So it's just like, we're trying to figure out like how to, on our end, create seamless and, and fair experiences with like dealing with all of those different variables anytime you go to this DMC, that DMC, what have you. So this is a filter, like a question that I do have included on the Hive for DMC profiles is, do you require the whole package? Will you book a la carte? Mm -hmm. And I think one option is like, we require hotels and others like we prefer hotels. And one is like, we literally, like we don't book hotels. Um, And so that is something that we can start to learn in advance, but it still doesn't solve this question of like, I know these two DMCs that I've been working with that they don't, they'll do both. They'll do the whole package or they'll do take the hotels out. They just weren't forthcoming with the contracted rate part. And so that still needs to be solved by like a very pointed question at the top of my email. We know these are the hotels that we want. So let me know, can you include amenities? Do you have contracted rates? Because I think the hard thing to just defend DMCs a tiny bit, even though I'm really frustrated, all advisors operate differently. Right. And so they, there are some advisors who probably don't care that all of the hotels are marked up 10% over retail and that's the package and, and it's fine. And there are some advisors that know that it's above retail and that's what it's going to be, you know? So like, and that's not right or wrong. It's just that all advisors are different. And so these DMCs can't necessarily know how I feel about this particular topic. One DMC did ask me, how much commission do you want to add? And I always hate that question 
Right. Cause like how much over am I going? My, my how much under retail are you? Yeah. Is, yeah. is my question back to them. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have a blanket 10%, 12%, 15% that I always add up regardless because my goal and what I talk to clients about is that you're not going to spend more on this hotel if you book it with me or if you book it directly. And I want that to be true. Mm. And so if that means my markup is 10% or 12% or 15%, I don't care what it is. It better not be over retail. Right. I want it, I want it to be equal or below. And so when a, when an advice, when a DMC asks me how much do you want to add, I simply say, I want to add somewhere between 10 and 15%, but I don't want to surpass retail. So you tell me what that is because you're not giving me your numbers. Right. That that's, yeah, that's super tricky. And I mean, I know, you know, like I don't necessarily like operate that same way, but that's, it's interesting because, and I think what the, the, the other question is, it's like, if there was a blanket way that we knew that all like all contracted rates are whatever, 20% yeah. under and you take 10 and I take 10 and we're all happy. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's been good. Yeah. Like we're all yeah. happy and the yeah. client's not paying more. Great. But it's exactly. never be that way or it hasn't been that way. It's like literally different from one trip to the next. That's the hard part. Yeah. Frustrating. So a sentence is being added to the top of my emails. Yeah. And I'm slowly kind of, I feel like I'm slowly leaning in the direction of booking a lot more hotels directly, especially when they're these hotels that I know and love. And, you know, they do offer amenities when I book them directly. I know they pay commission and I yeah. may just start doing it automatically. Yeah. yeah. Just, it's, I mean, obviously it makes it a little bit more like complicated in terms of like, you know, you got all these now, now instead of like one package, you got like, Exactly. Which I don't love. Um, but I also don't love overcharging my clients. So I will take the hit before yeah. I let my clients take the hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you. <laughs> enough, enough about my challenges. Have you had anything challenging going on in the last? Oh my goodness. Well, part of it actually kind of is a little bit similar in along this vein and it, it has to do with getting getting fired by a client or and or having to fire a client, which I had to do both this past month. Oh, no. Feels like it doesn't even matter if it's like two percent of all of the clients oh, no. this year. It's like that's what like will literally put you in a tailspin and in a funk. And yes. it just ha- so happened that it was like a back to back situation this past month that like I literally was in a funk. And part of it actually is related to that to this what you're like challenging part was, was it started there. I guess I would say I was using a DMC because it actually, I don't know, it might be more of like tour operator DMC, but because I was trying to do two different countries and they do two different countries. And I was like, great, then I don't have to worry about it. And it was one of those clients where like, okay, are we on our ninth hotel option now? Like this is getting ridiculous. I don't even they just, they were so, they just kept asking for more options, more, more options. And then like, then they were asking for options, just like, you know, in Santorini in the middle of summer, like, do you even understand what entry level room is costing here? Like, mm. this is not in, anywhere near the neighborhood of the budget you told me you were comfortable with. So right. from all of that frustrating stuff and a lot of back and forth for a very long time. And then at the end of the day, because they kept kind of like wanting more of their budget to go towards these hotels that they just couldn't like just wanted. And then there was just less components. And so once I finally got a chance to be like, why is this coming in at this price? And kind of like went through the same thing you did. But by that time, like the client has the proposal already. So they're already asking the questions. And then I'm looking at it afterwards, but I had already given them like seven different things, like taking this out, changing this hotel, taking this out, da, 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 da. 
And then when I did look at the numbers and I'm like, shit, it wasn't, it wasn't adding up. It wasn't pretty. It was not pretty at all. And so then I'm like, F y'all, basically. Like I was just pissed because I'm like, I can't even, there's not even a conversation to be had about this. Like it's some transfers. It's like two tours and the hotel. Like, you know what I mean? Like there was not. There's not even, yeah. No, so not, were you able to figure out where all the money was going? In their pocket. I don't know. I mean, to be to be fair, I have heard that like this particular DMC, I'm not like here to call, you know, call people out, but like that their markup is not super friendly. Normally, I feel like I've used them in the past in certain situations. And when trips are really a lot of different moving components and it all like, I don't know, it didn't seem crazy to me, but with these types of inclusions. And so then I then took the trip and I was like, well, like I use an Italy DMC in Italy and a Greece DMC that I felt more comfortable with their pricing. And I was like, you know what? Like, I know what I want. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at that time it was like, so this first firing that I did on my end was like, I started with the wife. Here's our budget. Here's what we want. By the end of this conversation, now I'm now the husband is asking for a phone call, emailing me direct, putting his two cents in, not understanding why we're at this price point. Why can't I make that? Like, this is what I'm getting because now I've brought out my spreadsheet and I'm just like, okay, okay. Like, and in not so many words, but in so many words, there just was like, you're trying to, you're trying to not, like, you don't trust me. Right. And at that point, I'm like, you don't trust me. You don't feel good about how the situation has played out. I'm frustrated. I don't, I see your name in my inbox and I'm already getting that feeling like, yeah, yeah. Whatever. And, it's just not worth my sanity at this point. Like I just, it's not the relationship I thought it was going to be. And I don't see any, either of us feeling good at the end of it. And I don't need this, you know, this money in my bank account, so to speak. I was just like, Hey, like, this is not the way I want you to feel. This is also not the way I like to believe that I'm helping my clients. And so, you know, I feel like you probably would be best you're now double checking all the work that I'm doing. Like I can tell you're sending me back screenshots and you're doing all the things. And like, so this is a trip. It's yours. Go ahead and book it. Like, I'm okay with that. I will refund your planning fee just like as goodwill, not because I'm, yeah. you know, I have it in my, how did they respond to that? Very short and sweet. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So I was just kind of like, bless them. So, okay. So the first story, the client's fired you because the pricing seemed high and they couldn't explain it. Well, you I told, you, you're talking about two different clients or maybe. was that all for one client? That was all for one client. That's what when oh, I, okay, okay. I fired them. The other one okay. was like a thanks, but no thanks situation um, because it started off. Well, we're, we saw, you know, this part and we just went and booked it ourselves. I'm like, no, no, that's not how it works. Like it was like a very complicated trip. And we were going back and forth and we think we want this. So now we want this. So why is it this much? And da, da, da. And I think part of the reason where this is something that I'm just kind of taking a look at is I have certain clients that I work with that come through kind of like a referral system. So I work with like a high, I don't work with them. Like it's no contract or anything, but like I have a high end writing coordinator that will sometimes just be like, send me clients, blah, blah, blah. But the, the thing we have in place it just makes it feel like the buy-in is not on the client's end to be like, they want to work with me. And I find that those types of clients are just because it's just more frustrating than not. 
working yeah. with somebody who hasn't completely like decided that like you're such a great fit for them and they really want to work with you. And so there's always just this like this tension. And it was just kind of like they wouldn't get on board with like this is how I run my business. And yeah, wanted yeah. to do all of this like piecemeal stuff and maybe we do this and then maybe we do that. But how come we can't just do this random thing that we saw? Like it was just so complicated. Would you ask them if this is how they plan their wedding too? Right. No, I hope I <laughs> not assume that way. Right. And so like, finally, when I just put my foot down, like, this is how I work. It has yeah. to be everything. It's, you know, you can't book this random first hotel on your own. Like, and then they were like, okay, well, thank you so much for your help. I think we're just going to book it on our own then. And I was like, okay, well, there you go. So, okay. If I'm tracking both of these situations got past a discovery call, they paid a fee, you presented a proposal and then one got fired and one said, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Okay. Um, feels great. Yeah, no, it feels really crappy. I know it does. And it happens to me too. It really does. Um, I had a really, really big proposal that I had a great discovery call, presented a great proposal and literally had just like never heard back, like the official definition of ghosting. That is just like, what, what, what just happened? I was really excited to book like this five digit Italy trip. But um, so like things like this happen all the time. And I have fired clients when I've been like, does it feel good? So what I'm curious to know is each of these scenarios, if thinking back, if it's not too fresh and raw, right at this very moment, is there anything that you've thought of that like, okay, moving forward, I'm going to do something a little bit differently to try to minimize these situations. Have you been able to pinpoint anything that you could or would do differently? Um, I think part of it is rethinking how I take these referral clients and I, like part of me is just kind of like, well, it's it's great because it's just like these additional like clients that come in that I'm not like, I'm not finding on my own and I wouldn't have otherwise, but I just, they don't end up being like the best feeling fit. And so I just have to maybe like, is it worth it because, because of that? So maybe that's just like something I have to decide and move forward and just understand that like the clients that come to me in different ways, they just end up, we, we end up having a better working relationship. Yeah. Um, I think, gosh, this dang like price breakdown thing, like whenever it becomes part of the conversation, it sours like the experience. Yeah. And I've tried to do a better job with like addressing it up front, talking about it. And sometimes it's still uncomfortable when I have to, when I feel like I'm like, okay, you really understand we don't break down prices. And then at some point then they ask and I have to like say it again. And I feel like, so you say it up front, they say they understand. And then it's still a problem later. I get like, yeah, like it's just like our package and maybe I'm trying to like finesse it. So it sounds like palatable. I don't know. Like that could be on my end, like trying to be like, I said it, I put it in my contract. I said it during the consult call, but I'm kind of saying it like our package, it comes as a package price, blah, blah, blah. And this like, huh, I'm not just, it feels like a lot. I don't know. Can we see the breakdown? And I'm just like, I told you, no, just get this feeling that like that, it seems like that's where it's kind of like, ugh, like, so two things. Are you currently volunteering to be a part of this role playing in our next think tank about discovery calls with clients talking about breakdowns and budgets? <laughs> I think I need to, I need to volunteer as, what is it? 
Yeah. Okay. So you're signed up for that role play. (laughs) So this has come up for me recently too. I was just on a fam and at a conference. So for two weeks, I was like surrounded by a, a small group of advisors, which was really fun. But while I was there, I got the whole, hey, why can't we see a breakdown? And the the specific line that came in from the wife was like, there has never been any service that we have engaged or whatever, like travel industry or otherwise, in which we haven't been able to see a breakdown. And these are two professionals. She's a lawyer and I don't know what he does, but he makes a lot of money. That's what I know. Yeah. And the thing is, is when I got their email, I was like, they're not wrong because this trip we're planning now for next year is postponed from two years ago. And they came to me two years ago and said, we're doing a lot of home renovations right now. And so we have decided to postpone this trip to when we can really book exactly what we want and not have to make compromises because we're also doing this big home renovation. And so I know that they've been looking at construction invoices. Mm. And construction invoices tell you the cost of every single nail and tube of grout and tile and door handle. It really does give you like breakdown that is terrifying. So I was spinning on this for like five days. And this is like a $50,000, 50,000 euro trip that like I was on this van with all these other advisors trying to be like, well, what do you say? How do you handle this? Trying to, I think we're always doing the same of like trying to gather these little nuggets of words of like, well, what do other people say to make it work or to make clients accept this? And And I think that that was the key nugget that came out is that there were advisors sitting at the table with us who have been in the business 30 years. And they're like, this won't ever go away. Right. There will be people always come with the nugget. I thought you were going to share the nugget. (laughs) I did. I mean, I came up with something that I have now used twice since, so I can share that with you, but I still don't think that that's going to stop all future pushback. It was frustrating, but also at the same time, like, oh, you're right. This isn't ever going to stop. There's always going to be people who want this. So ironically, the next discovery call I had when I got home I knew the woman. I didn't know the man. And he was on the call a few minutes before her. And so we're just like chatting, like small talk. And I noticed his email address on the calendar invite. And I was like, oh, what is that? Because it seemed like it might be his business. So I was just like curious. So I Googled it and I looked it up and he makes like custom ironworks for like residential and commercial buildings. So I was looking on their website and it's like when you see like a really cool custom staircase in a house and it's got like all the iron on each stair going up like his company's making those nice and they're making like custom outdoor fences around pools and just stuff like this and so it's construction related and so I was like well this is ironic so we get to the end of the call and I always leave it to the end to like talk money but there's one thing I always do is I say a specific number based on everything we've discussed today and based on the length of trip, the time of year you're going, you know, based on everything you've shared today, the trip that you're describing or that we are talking about, I believe is going to be this. And I usually give a range. So I think for his, I said between 25 and $30,000. And then I pause and I just let them react to that. And if there is a moment of an awkward pause, then I will follow up and say, do you feel comfortable with that? You know, and if they say no, then we talk about what we can do to bring that down or what we can change. And if they say yes, great. And sometimes they say, 
yes. And you know, if it needs to be more, just let us know. So their reaction to the number, the range that I give is very telling to me. Mm-hmm. It's very like, okay, I said 25 to 30, but they would clearly prefer that it's 25 or I said 25 to 30, but they're comfortable if it goes higher. So I'm going to show them some upgrade options. You know, like I, that is like a, I don't think it's psychological, but like I'm looking for their emotional reaction to that. And he said, he was like, okay. He was like, it's higher than I expected. And you don't even, you don't let them, you're not asking the question. So they give you a number. You're giving them a number. Oh, the, the cost of the trip is the cost of the trip. The hotel, the cost of the hotel is if you tell me that you want five stars and you want private drivers and private guides, and if you're describing this experience that you want, I'm not making up numbers. I'm doing quick mental math of, well, based on all, if you want truly all private five star the way that you're describing, this is going to be the cost. Now, if you want to bring that down, we can talk about some different hotels, but I don't do shared shuttles and I don't, and I do very, very, very few small group tours. And if I do small group tours, it's like a context tour in a very special situation in a city that has context. I can't just blanketly agree to a small group tour anywhere in the world. Right. And so if they want to come down a little bit, then I will talk to them about like, okay, so we previously talked about XYZ hotels Santorini is a perfect example. Amalfi is another one that if we talk about those regions with this particular person, if I can tell that they have no clue what nightly rates look like in these places, if they're used to spending 500 bucks on the four seasons in Dallas or something. Right. I I told him, I was like four star, like nice four star, well-located hotels near Positano are going to start at 1500 euros a night. Yeah. And I just, and I put that out there so that then when we get to the proposal and the invoice part, I already mentioned all these things. I say the same for Santorini. If you want to be an EA on the Caldera, we're starting at 1500 euros a night. That's fact in high season, right? So I don't let them give me a budget. I mean, on the foreign, they have to give me a budget. So they do start the conversation. So I think for these guys, they said 15 to 20. But then the scope of what we talked about on the call was quite a bit different than what was in the form. And I think the woman filled out the form and the guy was leading the conversation. Mm. And so then that's when I said, I was like, I think on the form that you mentioned this, but based on all of our description today, we're now talking about two and a half weeks. We're now talking about including Amalfi when that wasn't originally mentioned, you know, like I just like it evolved. Yeah. So I said, I think we're 25 to 30 and if they want to bring it down, then we can discuss that. But if he would have said, I want 12 days for 15K, I would have said, I'm not the right person for you. If you want to go to Italy in June, five-star, 12 days, 15K, I don't know that I can pull that off with quality. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really good thing to think through in terms of consideration. Like, Do you take the number they say they're comfortable with and then give them the trip that fits that number? Or do you say, let me hear the trip. No, here's the number for that trip. So I think both and. So in the form, I ask what, I ask them to give me all the details they're thinking and what investment they're comfortable with. So they're the first ones to say, right? And then I only, as long as their number is within reason, I'll reply and schedule a call. But if their number is already too low just by what they've put on the forum, I'll straight up say that in my email to them and say, listen, based on what you've described, you shared that you're comfortable with 10 to 12. I think it's going to be closer to 15. Are you comfortable with this? If yes, here's a link to my calendar. But if no, we might not be a good fit. 
Like, I'll just say that in an email. Yeah. 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 And then in phone conversation, I will bring it back around and reiterate based on what you shared with me on the forum, based on everything we've discussed. This is what I think that where this is going to land. Are you comfortable with this investment? Yeah. So back to the construction thing. gathered all this information now. I know he works with construction people because he does all this custom iron. He literally, they didn't realize that I lived in Des Moines and he was like, oh, I was just out like such and such town today. And I was like, well, that's where I live. Well, there's all these houses being built close to us. So like he's in construction. And then he said, the number I gave him was a little higher than he, he said, yes, but it's a little higher than he expected. And so all of this had my like triggers going off for the breakdown. And I was like, there's one more thing I want you to know. And I just said, on a construction invoice, I know I built a house. I know how overwhelming and everything that they include. And I was like, in the travel industry and specifically with the travel advisor, it's a lot different And that we are working with contracted rates and we are working. I think I, this is the nugget that I gathered from Ecuador. It's like construction is a commodity. It's like, here's the 65 tiles you need for your bathroom. Here are the two tubes of grout. Here are the doorknobs. Like it's an exchange. You buy it, you per- you get it in the house, you install it, and it's done. Travel is a six to eight to twelve to eighteen month long engagement. This mm-hmm. isn't just an exchange of a commodity. So we're not breaking down the cost because we are providing a service over the next twelve to fourteen months. And that can't be compared to a random transfer that you Google to try to break down the cost of your trip. There is no service in that. Right. And so I didn't get into all of that, but I just kind of said like upfront, the invoice from me will look really, really different. It will all be in one total package. I can help you understand how we get to that total, but there will not be a line by line breakdown because the service that we provide is a long-term engagement. I like long-term engagement. (laughs) Oh, So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely things I can do on my end to make it less frequent, hopefully, and also just make sure that there, at the end of the day, there are people that that really matters to and is going to be the sticking point for them. And I have to learn how to like continue to spot that earlier, maybe, and speak up earlier in a more like direct, like, no, no, no. Are you hearing me? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really hard when you say it up front, they say they understand, and then they bring it up again later. That's really hard. And, and because I it's think, like, but yeah, we discussed like, this. We said this. And so yeah, I mean, I think it was it's not like indicative of like how my year went or whatever. It's just the fact that it was like this past month, those two back to back situations really left a bad taste in my mouth. So I'm getting so over. I wonder if it's the combination of the two. It's like mentioning that, that it's going to be a total package, but also if you have the really upfront conversation during the discovery call that, hey, I'm going to design a proposal that lands between twelve and $15,000 or ten dollars and $12,000 or fifteen dollars and $20,000. If you say that upfront and I'm not going to provide a breakdown and then a week later, that's exactly what you deliver, a proposal with no breakdown that's between twelve dollars and $15,000. It's harder for them to like push back because they're like, oh, this is exactly what she told us. So maybe it's the combination of the two that's like, because you said that the one who asked for the breakdown later after they already said they understood, she said it was like, it feels kind of high. So it was like the number that it came in 
was not 100% aligned with what they were expecting. It was just because they kept wanting everything freaking upgraded, but not the price to go up. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Well, what about the private boat to, you know, like instead of taking the ferry from Havar to Dubrovnik, what about the private boat that stops in, you know, however you say it, Kirkula? You know what I mean? Like, just like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, all of this is possible. Yes, all of this is lovely. No, it's not going to stay at the same freaking place. (laughs) We do that. And they're like, can we consider this? Can we consider this hotel? Can we consider this upgrade? The answer is yes, you can. Then when I give you that price for it and you're like, oh, sticker shock. I gave you Um, the price that we discussed. You're the one who wanted to see upgrades. And now when they see what the price is, (laughs) let me see the cost of everything. So I can now like pick up. They want to like cherry pick. Well, I, st- I don't want to give up this hotel. I don't want to give up this private boat experience, but I just need to like conceptually understand if I yeah. put this, this, this together and they're trying to cherry pick and DIY. They're with- like, what if I slept on the couch so that I could have that private boat? Right. It's just like, it's fine. Don't give us an airport transfer so we can, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just those little things. Got and it. I'm like, you're taking away the ex- overall experience and the ceiling yeah. because I know what you're going to do. You're not comfortable at the price point, but you want we got big yeah. drinks. We got the champagne. Yeah. We understand it, but uh-huh. like we gotta go, we gotta go prosecco here. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I don't know. These clients feel a little tough. So I don't know that this is the. It the, might the, not have been favorable in that in this. But it, yeah, there, there have been a couple of moments recently where a client started out with a budget that I stuck to and I presented a proposal exactly within that budget. And then they came back and they were like, well, what about this hotel? What about the private boat? What about these upgraded experiences? And I was like, these are all perfectly plausible. And I said, I know this hotel well, here's, here are my thoughts on it. This is how it compares to the other option I presented to you. And then I, then I explicitly said, I did not present these options originally because I wanted to respect the ideal total investment that we discussed. If we add all of these things, like these five bullet points, we're probably looking at an increase of approximately 10,000 euros. Of course, if we add just a couple of them, it would be somewhere in between. So I I kind of said that by email before I did the work of updating the proposal and updating the invoice so that they kind of, they gave me that thumbs up to move forward with those upgrades. Or I presented them an opportunity to be like, yeah, these upgrades would be awesome, but like, we're not ready to invest $10,000 more. Right. Right. So yeah. I don't know if that would have helped this couple, but it they might, sound yeah. a little hard anyways. They were hard. So, you know, woo saw, bless and release. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, so, so that's a lot about the two clients. And not to make you keep harping on a challenging month, but I feel like there's something else that you should share. <laughs> I that mean, would be valuable. I think most, most of our, our wonderful listeners know that I have like um, a team, but specifically a wonderful assistant who's been with me for the past four years. And she just this month had her beautiful baby girl. So that's a wonderful yay, but also went on maternity leave. So that's just a little (laughs) bit of a gut punch because when you're used to just somebody like taking so much off of your plate and knowing all the things and not like, it's just so, so, so helpful. So that has been a little bit of a challenge, but in, in, I guess, conjunction with that, I do have a newer person on my team six months in, right? So still in that like new phase. Again, like I said, I was just out of office for a fam trip. I am leaving tomorrow for a conference. And at this like level of business and at this kind of like things need to keep moving, I I rely so much on people being able to keep the boat afloat when I'm out of office and not in charge of my schedule because there are things that just can't be 
pressed pause on as easily. And also just like, that's the way I'm used to running the business. And so a hard part for me when I went to Turks and Caicos is like, okay, well, we don't have Kelsey in the office right now, but I still do have another person and they're going to be able to like answer the email questions, make sure that if like somebody's traveling and whatever, they can't find their transfer, you know, all the things that just come in and just need like somebody to respond. Like, because I am not in charge of my schedule, that's okay. Like she'll be able to handle most of it. And so <laughs> I have this on my schedule, you know, this trip communicated it, what have you. And then I was told, oh, I'm going to be out of the office on this venture in the middle of Brazil that I won't be able to have Wi-Fi. Like it was just all the things, right? For a couple of days while you're also out of the office. And I was like, pause. That's not okay. That's not okay. And, And so I realized a couple of things. A, the way that I do my like out of office for, for the people that are on my team is a little bit like casual and very like, Hey, you know, like when you need to have time off, you take the time off as long as your work gets done, but that's different when the work can't get done. Right. So there's that. To clarify, this is an employee. This is not an IC. There's not an IC. There had to be a come to Jesus conversation about like what my expectations were. And it must, it has to be on my end that I did not explain that well enough. The fact that it was just presented to me in a way that was going to yeah. be totally fine meant that I had not done my job in saying like, that is actually not okay. So that's on me, right? Yeah. And then now it's on me to be very, very clear and to make sure that like, this is, this is it. This is how the business works. I understand. And I respect that you deserve and should have time off when appropriate, but not when I'm out of the office. And I've told you before you've made your plans because at well, the end of the day, if, if it was a flip-flop, like, Hey, can I would love to do this experience? And I'm going to not be, you know, it's not going to be like working from another location because no Wi-Fi, whatever. Then when an experience for a fam trip or a conference comes across my desk, then it is on me to make the decision do I want to make the out of office at the same time? And just know that that's like, you know, cause we've all yeah. done that like up at 5.00 AM to make sure all the things are taken care of. And you're, you know, checking your email all day long while you're out on a catamaran trying to enjoy sunset. You know, we've all been there, but I yeah. don't want to be there. Like <laughs> that's yeah. why I hired people. <laughs> well, it kind of sounds like you, you still believe in the freedom and flexibility that you were providing your employees, but a little bit more communication and, like further in advance, I think Yeah. more consideration for when others are going to be out of the office. And it needs to be, it needs to be a communication. It's not just you telling me. It's not like I'm informing my boss that I'm going to be away <laughs> with no Wi-Fi for four days. It's more of like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking over these dates. Does that work? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was a very, like I had, you know, I had the conversation and the good that came of it, like now there's a shared calendar for like proposed out of office dates and, and is it going to be, you're just traveling, but you're still working or are you truly out of office and what can I expect? And so that's going to be, that was another step that came from that. So, you know, moving forward, hopefully that this doesn't become a challenging experience anymore. And also just like now I've, I've known that it's no longer on me for not being clear. So yeah, we'll see what happens, right? Like, my goodness, that was that. That was that. <laughs> that's uh, that's really rough, but it sounds like some really good initiatives came out of it. So in the end, I think that's the most important part, right? Because I mean, so it is. It's always growing pains, right? Like I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm like this boss stuff is a little bit like not my wheelhouse. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'm just like, whose idea was it to own a business? <laughs> 
right. And to have other people, like, you know what I mean? Like, if it's just me, that's one thing. But when it's other people, it is a totally different ballgame. I mean, we've just been complaining for 45 yeah. minutes, basically. I hope it's not just us. I mean, I really hope that, like, other people are like, yeah, I have challenges, too. This is great. And not just like, man, you guys just... Look at these downers. Yeah. <laughs> and then on a high note, and, 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 and you share another exciting thing so we can end on like yay what's going well what has been joy this month um i'm really really excited about the result of some analyses that i did in my business like with my numbers lately but also what has come from it so i don't i've been trying to remember like why did i even sit down and do this in the first place mm. i remember that I started it in my office and then I finished it in the car, like while we were driving somewhere and I was like super motivated to get it done. And I remember thinking in the back of my mind, there are like 90 other things I could be using this time to do, but none of that matters right now is the weekend. And so I want to do what I want to do. That's sometimes my attitude when I'm like working on the weekend, but I'm doing things that I want to do, not whatever's on my to-do list. Yeah, um, And I have to imagine that the idea came from one of many of our think tank conversations because we're really like revamping the think tank. And one of my deep desires over like the last year is just to have more numbers to refer back to. And because a lot of times we hear about challenges or we hear about goals or we hear about things going on in other people's businesses. And the reality is, is that we all know that numbers don't lie. But until now, I've never had the numbers of any of the businesses of anyone in the think tank and it's not me who needs the numbers. The people in the think tank also don't have their own numbers. Like not, they're all a little bit different. Some of them have some numbers, but not others. Some of them have no numbers. You know, they're all a little bit different. But something that I've been really craving and noticing is that, you know, like when we find ourselves in a vicious vortex of kind of talking about or complaining or ruminating over the same topics over and over and over again, what is stopping us from like taking the next step to like make progress on this goal or to make progress on this challenge? And often I find that is that we assume we know what the information is, i.e. the data, but we don't actually have the data. Right. So I think that this is what inspired all of this, but I can't say for sure. But basically I sat down and I just listed out every single trip that I had travel in 2023. I put the name, I put where they went. I put how they found me, new repeat or referral. I put how much they spent on their trip, when their trip took place, like in which month, and how much I earned, my fee plus commission. Mm -hmm. And this took me less than two hours. Um, and I learned so much from, I am excited by what I learned and what I took from these numbers. So immediately what I saw is that, if I want to reach my revenue goals, I need to increase the number of trips that I book if if the total trip cost remains the same. Right. Because I don't believe that I currently have clientele or a book of business where I'm just going to be able to increase their average trip spend 20%. Double it. Yeah. So Double let's it. it's easier for me to assume yeah. that their average that the average trip cost is going to stay exactly the same. And then it figure out, okay, if it stays exactly the same, how many trips do I need to plan to get to my total revenue goal? And it's about 50% more. Well, increasing from 50 trips to 75 trips a year, that's a big difference. Right. That's two more itinerary designs every single month, right? And 
So then immediately my brain went to, can I handle that? Can my assistant handle that? And so then I started going down the rabbit hole of like a time study of like, well, how much time do I actually spend on each strip design and how much time does she spend on each strip design? And so what is actually realistic and feasible? It is so easy for us to say, I want to book $500,000 a year. I want to book a million. I want to book 2 million. It's easy to set that high number. But this data that I spent two hours just like dumping it all into the spreadsheet suddenly like opened my eyes to, have I just set this goal that might not even make sense? Right, right. And what I deduced is that it doesn't make sense exactly the way of operating business right now, but it is attainable. And it's attainable with a few shifts. So first, I took out the lowest 15% of my trips. They were all under $10,000. That was the lowest 15% for me. And immediately, my average jumped up to 25. So now I have an active goal in my mind that my average trip spend for 2024 is between $25,000 and $30,000. I have never had a goal related to average trip spend ever in eight years of my business. Mm. I had goals of how many new inquiries I wanted to receive. I had goals of the keeping the percentage commission that I earned like at 10% or above to making, so just to make sure that I'm booking commissionable things. I had goals related to total revenue, like a million dollars in a year. I have never paid attention to like, what is the average trip cost? Right. Like, what are these clients spending? And right. all of a sudden it is now so much more apparent to me I always knew fundamentally that a $10,000 trip took the same amount of work as a $30,000 trip. Obviously, you know, if it's 10 days to Italy, it's the same amount of work for both of those trips. Or more when it's less. You go yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a fraction of the know. earnings. <laughs> yeah. We all know the reality to that. Let's pretend it's the same. So I, we all know this. We all say this, but I wasn't making decisions based on this. And so by simply going through this exercise, I immediately opened my website and put a $10,000 minimum. It is no longer feasible for me to continue to take trips that are less than $10,000 if I want to maintain an average of a $25,000 to $30,000 spend, and I've decided to choose myself and to choose my family over the $10,000 trips. And that is the only thing that has clicked my brain into function because some other advisors recently asked me like, okay, but Whitney, like really when you said yes to that $10,000 trip or that $8,000 trip, did that really mean that you said no to the $40,000 trip that came into your inbox? No, of course not. I said yes to both. My family suffered. Mm -hmm. Not the client. I suffered and my family suffered because that's why I'm constantly working at night and on the weekends. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And all of this came out of putting some trips into a spreadsheet on a Saturday morning. And I also increased my fees. I was like, okay, if I want to reach my revenue, I've already been thinking I should increase my fees. And I was previously charging $500, whether your trip was six days or 14 days, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's what I was doing. And so already I've split it into 500, 650, and 750. And the vast majority of the trips that I'm booking are landing in the 650 range, which is like a 10 to a 12 day trip that's fully custom FIT, you know, and nobody is bothered by my 650, my 650 fee. So immediately for 2024, my revenue is increased by that alone. And I've implemented a minimum $10,000 spend. And now the total trip cost for what clients spend, what they spend is out of my control. 
I can't decide if they spend 20 or 25 or 30 or more or less. What I can decide is when I see that inquiry come in, I have in my mind, I want to keep an average of 25 to $30,000. If I say yes to this, how is that going to affect my average? Mm-hmm. And so now I get to be even more intentional with what I say yes to in 2024. And I am stoked about it. You seem happy. I am so excited. <laughs> I mean, this spreadsheet is like the most basic spreadsheet you have ever seen. It is not even pretty, but it's just incredible what thinking you know what the data is and and then actually seeing it because not all those numbers were positive. The repeat referral number is 92%, which I was super excited about. I was like, this is incredible. This says so much about the business that I've built and I'm really proud of this number. But the number of trips that I planned, like volume in 2023 was much lower than I thought. And that gave me a moment of pause of like, is it even reasonable for me to have the revenue goals that I have? Because that means I have to increase my volume by 50% or more. And can I do that? It like really, it forced me to like dig a little deeper into that detail. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, it's exciting because you have the ability to do it now and you have the ability to do something with it. That's the exciting part. Like, Because we can do nothing about the past except learn from it. That's what you're doing. So that's like, that's the biggest thing. So what, what I'm excited about and what we're excited to share is that I have essentially (laughs) drug Brianna into my spreadsheets and said, this is the looking back workshop. This is what we have to do. Everyone (laughs) needs this. Listen, if you're listening to this and you're a travel advisor, this probably going to just go out on a limb and say 99% of you are not fully capturing the data that you need to, to truly analyze like how this year went, but also to take that data and then make decisions on what you're going to do next. So exactly the exciting part that like matters to you guys, if you're listening to this podcast right now is you hear the excitement in Whitney's voice. She is determined to that same excitement about your own business So yeah, like we've decided to share, to share the good. And you want to tell them what we're going to do? Yeah. So I think that it's one thing to have the data. Like a lot of people might say, well, I already know exactly how many trips I booked this year. And I already know what my average trip spend is. And like, there's definitely some advisors who probably know these numbers. So then my next question is, what are you doing with that information? Right. What decisions are you making as a business owner with that information? And What I realized is exactly what you said. I'm excited by looking back at 2023 and seeing what changes I could do to move forward in 2024. But now this spreadsheet, we will be updating it monthly moving forward. It's not going to be something that I I make these changes in November of 23 and cross my fingers and hope it works for 2024 and then do this exercise again in one year and then be like, well, I got close. No, that's like... The, the hard part is getting started with the data and like going back over a full year and getting it into a spreadsheet. It took me two hours, right? But moving forward, I will have a running spreadsheet of every single trip that I that comes in and that I book. And I'm just going to add a line and add a line and add a line. And at the end of every month or at the end of every quarter, whatever feels best for each business, I am actively looking at that and seeing, okay, we're right on target. We're right on target. We're right on target. Wait a second. This isn't where we need it, where we want to see it. And it's March. What can we do now to shift this to make it better for the rest of the year? Like that is what's 
I'm also excited for that because I've never done that. I've never truly had like a true monthly or quarterly business review in a way that either gave me confidence that we were on the right track or that like gave me the information that I needed to have to like pivot or twist in a way that I should. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be critical. So for all of you guys listening, we are going to, so for, if you don't know, you might've heard on Instagram or, or seen a post so far, but we're opening our community, the advisor accelerator on November 29th to kick that kind of like doors are open off. We're going to do a workshop that we're calling the looking back workshop and anybody and everybody is invited to that workshop. You don't have to be a part of the advisor accelerator or like the community yet. Totally free. Any, it's totally free. And really what we're doing, we're providing you with this in-depth, super helpful spreadsheet to fill in your own numbers, to come to the workshop so that we can literally talk through, hey, what do these numbers mean? What can we gain from them? What can we learn from them? And so you have a greater understanding of how your 2023 truly went and, and also, once you start to goal set for 2024, you have the data in front of you to make, what's the right word I'm looking for? Like in, informed and intentional decisions, I think. Decisions. And we'll talk through like what that might look like. Like what could we, what should we be tracking or what should we be looking at or what should we be focusing on to move the needle, whether that comes to average trip spend or the salary that you're paying yourself or the revenue that you're booking. All of these things that like our goals are normally associated with, there's a lot of other factors that play into whether or not we reach those goals. And so, yeah, I think I'm just really excited to share this with everybody. Whether you're in the community or not, you're invited to this workshop. I think you're going to find so much value in it. And it's just really going to set you up well for ending the year with yes. a really clear picture of how 2023 went and then getting you ready for what you're going to do in 2024, which is what we all should be doing quite honestly at this time of year. Like if you've yes. never done this type of work before, it, maybe it hasn't been specifically in this like type of way, you're going to get so much out of it. And I hope that what we bring to the table is going to just like elevate whatever you have done in the past and be more clarity and, and more tools to kind of move forward. Exactly. Way. Exactly. So Mark your calendars for Wednesday, November 29th. It'll be at 10 a.m. PST, 1 p.m. EST. The workshop, it'll be about an hour long. We will record it. So if you're not able to show up live, you'll get that recording. But of course, it will be most beneficial if you mark your calendars and you can show up with us. About a week prior to the workshop, we will send out a spreadsheet with simple directions on how to complete it. If you're like me and you want to sit down for two hours and get everything for 2023 in there, that is ideal. If you feel like, whew, I planned 200 trips in 2023 and that feels insane, give us the last three months of data. We can extrapolate. Just give us a like a snapshot of your annual year so we could at least have something to work with. And if you have 15 minutes, then just give us the total number of travel, you know, $700,000 traveled this year. 35 trips, whatever it is, so that we can come up with an average. So we want you to come to the workshop prepared and so we can talk through it together and we can really work through it. To sign up for the workshop, you can head to mastersandtravelpod.com backslash looking back. It's a free workshop, November 29th. Uh, we hope to see you there, but also let us know how you liked this shop talk format. So we're like over an hour in of celebrating and complaining. Um, so <laughs> this is a totally new 
approach for us. So we're very interested to know how you feel about this approach, how you feel about this kind of perspective sharing for a frequent podcast episode. Be sure to subscribe and tune in to future Shop Talk episodes. You'll see them coming about once every other month. Um, And we'll see you at the workshop soon. 